I can already I can already sense your excitement about the word of God that we just heard. <laughs> Although I can't tell from your faces. Sadly, I don't see joy at your faces. Did you hear what the word of the Lord just told us? It said on this mountain the Lord of hosts will provide for all peoples a feast of rich food and choice wines. Juicy, rich food and pure choice wines. Did you hear that? Did you hear? You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Do you not understand and appreciate that heaven is going to be one big eating fest? <laughs> that is exciting, my brothers and sisters. And it's not just an eating fest, it is, as we hear, juicy, rich food and pure choice wine. You don't kind of worry about cholesterol, calories, or anything like that. It'll be a perfect meal for all perpetuity, for eternity. That is good news. That's exciting. I'm not seeing it on your faces fully. You're still not excited about this. This makes my day. This is why I want to get to heaven. This is why I do not fear death. Who fears going to a wedding banquet? Who fears going to a party? So tell me, my brothers and sisters, why are we afraid? Why are we afraid to die? That is the question the Lord presents to us this morning. What is it that we fear in death? And don't say we don't fear to die, because look at the pandemonium that this pandemic has caused. All of it where it comes from a fear of death. We are afraid to die because we do not trust the word of God. We do not trust what the word of God promises us. Promises us this rich food, this choice wine. Choice wine, are you excited about that? You should be, our vineyards are burning in California, we're gonna run out. We're going to have to get to heaven to drink. <laughs> However, my dear brothers and sisters, the word of God, the gospel, the parable that the Lord tells us this morning, is a very intriguing parable. And it's a parable that I have to say drove me insane. It drove me insane because I thought it was very unfair, unjust. How are those in the highways and the byways who these servants are pulling in to a wedding feast supposed to have a wedding garment? Where are they getting the money to buy this wedding garment? And as and I've asked, I remember in school asking this question over and over again, and no one could give me the answer in all of my grade school and high school Catholic education. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, as I tell all of you, and so we need to step out of the parable to understand the culture of the day. And the culture of the day at the wedding feasts, it is not you who dressed up to attend, it was the host who gave you the garment when you arrived. And so therefore, everyone who was invited received the garment. Everyone who was invited received the garment from the host of the wedding feast. Now that, understanding that, that changes the whole entire parable. It changes the whole entire meaning. Because if everyone gets the garment, why was this man not in the garment? Why did this man choose not to wear it? Why did he want to have all the good with all the good, but not the requirements of the wedding feast? 
This is what hammers home to you and me, because my dear brothers and sisters, as we hear at the end of this parable, many are invited, but few are chosen. Anyone who is breathing on this planet receives the invitation of the Lord to get to heaven, because that's why we exist on this planet, to be with God forever. But not all of us, as we hear in the parable, accept the invitation. Not all of us, maybe we plan to go, but then we decide something better comes up, and we don't go. And so therefore, we have to reflect upon this fact, because there are many out there in the world, there are many out there who profess discipleship in Christ Jesus, however, they haven't accepted the invitation in its fullness. They think they can pick and choose what it means to be a Christian. They think they can pick and choose the teachings of the, of the gospel that they like and what they don't like. And we see this over and over again, especially those who have power and authority in the world today, who profess their Catholic faith, who wear their Catholic faith on their sleeve, but their lifestyle and what they purport is contrary to faith. It is not wearing the wedding garment. And you and I need to know this, because you and I cannot adhere ourselves to those who are in the feast without the garment, because that's going to lead us astray. That's going to lead us into confusion. And so Jesus is very clear. Jesus well knows that this is going to happen. He knows that in the, in the feast there are going to be those who don't belong, as we are preparing to enter the fullness of the celebration. And so one of the other things that we note about the wedding ceremony back in the day is that as the people arrive and are in their wedding garments, the host comes and basically checks up, makes sure everyone's ready before the wedding feast fully starts. Before the wedding ceremony begins, everyone has to be on the same page. And if you're not, well then, bye-bye, you go. We have received this wedding garment. We have received this garment when we were invited to the feast at our baptism. We have received this. We even say in the baptismal ritual, receive in this white garment the outward sign of your Christian dignity. Bring that unstained into everlasting life. Bring that unstained into everlasting life. We have the garment. We've received it at our baptism, but as we get older and supposedly wiser, we try to play games with the garment. We try to take it on and off, depending on where we are and what we're doing. I'll wear my garment when I come to church and say my prayers. I'll take it off when I'm out in the world, when I'm at my workplace, when I'm, in, when I'm voting, when I'm doing other things, recreating, when I'm at Publix. I'll take it off. We cannot do that, my brothers and sisters. We cannot do that, because therefore we show that we're not interested in what God has to offer us. What God has, and remember, what does he have to offer us? He has to offer us a feast of rich food and choice wines, juicy rich food and pure choice wines. What does he have to offer us? A wedding feast. A wedding feast. And yet we say it's not enough. We say we need more. Can you believe it? We need more than that. We think we need more than that because we give in to the lie of the devil that says we need what the world offers. But what the world offers is temporary. What the world offers is passing. 
We see this all the time. You can have the best, you can have the best portfolio of the stock market. You could be making millions and millions and millions, and in an instant, you got nothing. We've seen that happen back in 2000. We see this happen. And what happened when this occurred? Some people were so consumed with that money that they thought they were getting that it caused them to jump off bridges, jump out of windows, because they saw that their life was over, because they placed their life livelihood in material things that are passing. And it doesn't have to be wealth only. It could be material pleasures. It could be personal pleasures. It could be power. It could be prestige. All these things that the devil says we need as human beings, but they all pass. And if we put all our eggs in that basket, we're not going to be ready to get to the wedding feast. We're not going to want to go to the wedding feast because we're going to want all that the world has to offer. And so you and I are privileged because when we come here to this altar, we participate in a foreshadowing and a foretaste of the wedding feast of the Lamb. The Bible is bookended. The book of Genesis, the first covenant marriage, Adam and Eve, our first parents. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Jesus who weds himself completely to his church. And so the Bible is divided into this understanding of marriage and this wedding feast that we're going to be celebrating. And God is so good that he doesn't wait for us. We don't need to wait to get there. But he allows us to have a foretaste of what he uh, here and now. Now this brings us to another question. Another question which is a hot topic and going to be controversial. And people are not going to like me for it, but guess what? I don't care. I don't care because I have to be the one who helps you understand and appreciate the, way, the invitation you received. So if we are coming every Sunday to a wedding banquet, can you tell where I'm going? If we are coming to a wedding banquet every Sunday, how am I dressing for the feast? Ooh, did I say it? I did. I did say it. Are we dressing like we know where we're going? Are we dressing for what we're doing after this event? Because my brothers and sisters, on the Lord's Day, this is the only event that matters. Did you hear me? This is the only event that matters. Although we've replaced it with other things. Because the devil has told us that our sports channel is more important. That our going out to dinner is more important. That these things are more important. And we forget this great invitation that we've received. We forget what is being offered in this invitation. Yesterday, you want to experience and see a person who was truly clothed in the wedding garment of the Lamb, who, was truly, who truly understood what was happening in his world and in his life, is the, who I spoke about before, the now blessed Carlo Acutis. Carlo Acutis, who died at the age of 15, a computer geek. He's called, he's called the, 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 cyber, the, the cyber saint because he was good with computers. Dying at 15 years old. Came from a family not unlike a family today. Those who see the importance of the sacraments, but so don't see the importance of coming to church every Sunday. 
And so he received the Eucharist, he received his First Holy Communion, and that event transformed his whole entire life. That the age of eight, when he received his First Holy Communion, he was so transformed in the love of Jesus Christ for him and the world, that he desired and wanted and pestered his mother to take him to Mass every day. And that eight-year-old boy brought about a reconversion of his parents. He brought his parents back to the church at eight years old. Not the parents bringing his, their children back. He brought them back because of his love and devotion for the Eucharist. Because he understood the wedding garment which he, which he wore. And if you watched the Beatification Mass yesterday from Assisi, there was a beautiful moment after the bishop read the papal decree declaring uh, Carlo uh, blessed on his way to sainthood, the bishop greeted his parents. So can you imagine the parents who are still alive, they look like they're in their 50s, those, they're still, they, they, they are, they are present, present at a Mass in which their child is beatified. Can you imagine what was going through those in their minds? It was a beautiful scene to see the bishop meet each of them. And he met with, the, he, he met with them separately as they came up in the line. A beautiful thing to see. But Carlo recognized, Carlo recognized the very, very early on and the spiritual wisdom he had at such a young age is marvelous. The, Euchar the more the Eucharist we receive, the more we will become like Jesus, so that on this earth we will have a foretaste of heaven. To always be close to Jesus, that's my life plan. Died at 15. To always be close to Jesus, that's my life plan. My brothers and sisters, is that our life plan? Is our desire always to be close to Jesus? Do we really, from sincerity of the depths of our heart, can say, that's what I want most, to be close to Jesus? Not worrying about what my pocketbook is, what my bank account is, not worrying about the things I have, not worrying about my relationships on earth. Am I recognizing and I do I desire to always be close to Jesus? That's my life plan. <clears throat> now this is a this this I wish I thought of this. This is an amazing quote that this young man has. Our soul is like a hot air balloon. If by chance there is mortal sin, the soul falls to the ground. Confession is like the fire underneath the balloon, enabling the soul to rise again. It is important to go to confession often. Now isn't that a beautiful image? A beautiful image, a practical image of explaining what mortal sin does to the soul. It pulls the soul down to earth. It pulls the soul down to earthly reality and does not allow the soul to soar to the depths of, and to the heights of eternal life, the depths and the heights of this feast that the Lord has prepared for us. Our goal must be infinite, not the finite. The infinite is our homeland. 
Heaven has been waiting for us forever. Heaven has been waiting for us forever. Do we think about that? I don't think we think that heaven is waiting for us. I think we think that heaven, that heaven is something we have to desire to get to on our own and don't recognize that heaven is waiting for us. It's waiting for you and me. The Eucharist is the highway to heaven. Now, I would encourage you, for those who are computer savvy, to go online and to look at some of the, the quotes that he has, that he has stated. Because I cannot give you all of the ones that I have here, because I'll keep you here all day. Although I don't have a problem doing that, as you well know. <laughs> However, there is another Mass after this. <clears throat> Come to that one, it might be longer. But, the point, my dear brothers and sisters, do we recognize, do we realize this awesome invitation that the Lord has given to us? Do we recognize that here in this place, in this building, at this altar, we will have and we always have a foretaste of that eternal banquet, that sacred banquet, in which we in a few moments are going to receive in the Holy Eucharist? The Eucharist is called by St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, the sacred banquet. This little wafer, this mere wafer, is called the sacred banquet. This little wafer has within itself everything that we need, all that we desire. But we have to accept the invitation to know what, we know what we're invited to and to know what we truly desire. We desire God in the depths of our being, but we get distracted by earthly cares and the voice and the loud voices of the devil that pull us in different directions. The sad reality is that we've denied the existence of the devil in our modern world, and so therefore he has full swing. He has full swing. In the old days, he used to have to hide because we didn't recognize him. Now, he doesn't even have to hide. He's out there in the open. And we ignore him, or we follow him, and we don't care. How sad is that? Many are invited, but few are chosen. It's not God who doesn't choose us. It's we who don't accept the invitation. It's we who say, oh, yeah, no, I got something better to do. No, I can go to church today on Sunday, but there's a Bucks game. Let's look at, I'll go to the Bucks, I'll watch the Bucks game. That I can go to church today, but I don't like the music. I can go to church today, but I can't take that priest preaching. I can go to church today, but they don't, they don't require masks to be worn by everybody. We have all of these excuses that we can give why we can't come to this banquet, which indicates to, uh, to me and to the Lord that we are not choosing, we're not accepting the invitation. And most often we don't accept it because we don't know what we're invited to. And for us who don't know what God is inviting to us to is shame on us. It's there clearly in his word. We should not, we should not, not know what we're invited to. We should not, not accept this, this invitation of the Lord, which is the best invitation you'll ever receive. There's no invitation greater than this. No invitation greater than this that we will ever receive. And so therefore, we go back to the reality. Why do we fear death? 
Why are we afraid of having the wedding feast open to us? And we can't say that we don't fear it, because if we didn't fear, if we did, if we didn't fear it, we would not be in the anxiety of this pandemic that we are currently in as a world. So we should not be surprised that the faithless people are overly consumed with death and this virus. But for you and me, this virus is a passing thing like everything else in the world. That doesn't mean that you're not prudent, that doesn't mean you don't protect yourself, but that also doesn't mean that you don't stop living. Because we live for the Lord. Because as I'll end with this, what does St. Paul tell us? In every circumstance and in all things, I have learned the secret. And he doesn't keep it a secret. Isn't that even better? It's even greater. He has learned the secret. I can do all things in him who strengthened me. I can do all things in Christ who strengthened me. I can live with whatever the Lord is, whatever is going to come my way. Whether it be this virus, whether it be some other ailment, whether it be some other tragedy that comes into my life, I can live through it because I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And in him strengthening me, what he prepares me for is eternal life in that sacred banquet, in that holy union with God, the angels, and the saints. Every night I tell the Lord, take me, I'm ready. Every morning I wake up here on earth. One of these days I'll wake up in the arms of the Lord, and won't that be a blessing? And so therefore, my dear friends, do not fear. Do not fear that which we have nothing to be afraid of. Do not fear the, the, the goodness of our God who presents before us a banquet, a banquet, a rich feast. A desire from the death, from the beginning of creation, a desire for you and me to be with him forever. Let us not give up this invitation. Let us not throw this invitation in the trash. Let us not miss this opportunity which the Lord gives us. But let us remember this reality of the Lord, that he loves us, he saves us, and he provides for us, and gives us a choice blessing, a choice banquet, a reality that only he can fulfill. For this, we rejoice and we are glad, and we accept the invitation with our whole heart, soul, and being. Praise be Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.